Hey everyone, welcome to episode 170 of the End Focus podcast. I'm your host, Andy Corrigan. With me, as always, is Andrew Brown. Hello. And Tori Wassana. Hello. And this week, we're going to talk about Crash Bandicoot 4, the recent Animal Crossing Direct, and all the uh, goodness that came out of that. We're finally going to talk about the uh, OLED Switch and Metroid Dread, both of these things we, we held off the episode for because we hadn't all received our bits and bobs before last week so we can finally get to talking about that uh so with that let's get into updates from the previous episode okay andrew you finished uh crash bandicoot 4 all i can say is it's about time sorry (laughs) you're not sorry that's true i'm not (laughs) you do this on purpose just to aggravate me yep (laughs) we've been doing this way too long okay uh i played this earlier in the year right after it launched but i didn't have too much time to uh to finish it well we'll talk about the oled switch in a little while but this was the game i decided to actually play through on my oled switch to break it in just on a whim nothing really special about it it was just the game i picked because i felt bad that i didn't finish it when it launched because i did quite like it uh, Crash Bandicoot 4 is a sequel to the first three Crash Bandicoot games. It ignores all the ones that have been released uh, in the 20 years <laughs> in between. Uh, <laughs> if you've never played a classic Crash Bandicoot, it came out at a very interesting time in video game history. Uh, the PlayStation 1 had just launched, the Nintendo 64 was very close to arriving and had this game coming out for it called Super Mario 64 that looked amazing. And the big gimmick with Super Mario 64 was you could move in 360 degrees for a 3D platformer. Crash Bandicoot is also a 3D platformer, but it had a very different philosophy towards it. Uh, You could move in 360 degrees, but the levels were more designed like a classic 2D platformer where you could move from left to right. But in addition to moving from left to right, you could also move from the front of the screen towards the back of the screen and most famously towards the back of the screen towards the front of the screen usually when something big and deadly is chasing you trying to kill you so that's really what crash bandicoot 4 is building on it's sticking to that same stuff there's no big open environments to explore here you're just running from one side of an area to another in a linear direction I was pretty hard on the Insane Trilogy when it launched on Switch a number of years back now. God, we've been doing this way too long. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because the graphical port was just unacceptable. It it was running in less than standard definition, handheld, and it was still using an extra live system. And an extra live system was unnecessary when the Crash Bandicoot games were new. It's 20 years later now. They are completely unacceptable to still be using extra lives especially with as freaking hard as these games are crash bandicoot 4 has a thing called modern mode and it also has a classic mode where if you want to torture yourself with extra lives but i played a modern mode which just gives you as many continues as you want if you die you just go back to the last checkpoint you can do it as much as you want until you finish it as a result i enjoyed this game so much more than the first three crash bandicoot games even though it's basically the same game design it's the same sort of traps and there were a few levels that had me stuck for quite some time for 
half an hour to an hour on some sequences, but I enjoyed it nonetheless because I was not being punished for my failure. I was being given as many chances as I needed to get through them. And if you want to talk about 100% completion, this game will keep you busy for a really long time. The game's hard enough by itself, but if you want to get 100% completion, you also have to get... You have to finish every level, every level, dying fewer than three times from start to finish in the entire level, uh, finding at least 80% of the Wumpa Fruits, which isn't isn't too hard to find. Uh, there's a hidden gem in every level, and you have to smash every crate in every level, and there's usually a crate hidden in a really evil spot that you just you can't see, and you have to know the crate is there to find it. The more I kept playing this game, I was just surprised. Surely I've unlocked everything now. I, I've seen everything that there is to do as far as collectibles, but no. Every new world I got to introduced something new. It was either a new character, or it was a whole new gimmick that I could do. Like, there are, are time trial tokens. After you finish a level, you have to replay it to get the time trial token uh, in a specific time limit. There are three different characters that you can play as. You have to go back to the previous worlds to replay levels with them. After you beat a boss, there's another token called the Endverse token, I think, which remixes the entire level and rearranges where all the collectibles are at. So basically, you have to finish every level twice. I think that's everything. <laughs> and there's all these different tokens you have to get. Like the, the most devious one is you have to f do a perfect run of every level. You have to finish it within a set amount of lives. You have to get every crate and you have to get 80% of the Wumpa Fruit in a single attempt. <laughs> and as soon as I beat this game, which was quite challenging just, just to finish it, and I only had 36% completion doing that. Uh, it said, now you should go back for 100%. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I value my time and my patience and my sanity too much to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but if you are looking for like a super challenging platformer that'll keep you busy for a really long time, if you want to go for 100% completion, I guarantee you, you will get your money's worth out of Crash 4. I thought this was a great game, just too hardcore for me on that 100% completion not even going to try it but i think this is a great <laughs> game uh the, it doesn't hold up graphically in handheld mode they do a lot of lighting tricks that are really noticeable in handheld but uh, playing docked it looks great it's a fantastic looking game docked so highly recommend if you're into platformers and if you're a, a lapsed crash bandicoot fan this has won me over if they do make any more crash bandicoot games i'm totally on board to play them Nice. Okay, well, uh, let's jump right into the Animal Crossing news. Okay, so there was an Animal Crossing Direct during the week. I'm going to be straight up honest, I didn't watch it because I'm kind of dumb with that game, but there were some interesting uh, tidbits to come out of it. I didn't watch it either because I also didn't care anymore, but Twitter just would not shut up about certain details within it, so I had to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Which we'll get to those details. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to crib this from Vooks. Uh, thanks, guys. <laughs> Go check their site out. It's awesome. Uh, Vooks.net. But yeah, the bullet points on the free update that's uh, coming very soon. They're bringing back the feature so you can make your uh, island wake up or close uh, depending on how and when you play. That was a, a feature Andrew missed a lot, I think, from from the original, or from the last one rather, 
They're adding more options for your house, both inside and outside. They've increased max storage. Uh, there's a pro decorating license that lets you move lights and fans around. You can now apparently slide around narrow spaces. The uh, camera will now let you take first-person pictures. That That's a cool feature. And whip out a tripod for selfies. Uh, new hairstyles and reactions. There's a lot of uh, additions to the collectible stuff, which is like, no, I'm done with that. I don't want to do more. <laughs> uh, such as KK Slider songs. Uh, it's all, like, stuff that should have come way earlier, in my opinion. Yeah, not that alone is not enough to tempt me back. We'll we'll get into the, the rest of that very soon. But, yeah, what, what did you guys make of the announcement? I was surprised to see farming and cooking be a thing. Mm. That's uh, actually what kind of made me go, okay, fine, I'll play it again. My reaction to farming and cooking was, okay, why? What does this do except I can cook things and just leave them on the table? Big deal. (laughs) I mean, other than that, you can eat them to build up your charges so you can dig up trees and break rocks. I I did that with fruit for over a year. It was a perfectly fine system. I I don't see what this added to anything except it's just another system to interact with. But it, it doesn't. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anything that you couldn't already do before. So I was pretty, I don't know the word for it, disappointed? Worse than disappointed. It's another <laughs> collection category. Yeah. But at least food is, you know, nice. It's another chore in a game that's already bring it, brimming with chores. Yeah, that just sounds tiring. Yeah, but it's not a chore because you don't have to do it and it doesn't, get you anything mm. so it's it's labor but that could be said about a lot of animal crossing it's not about what you get out of it it's the process of doing it that's meant to be the point i don't know everything i did every day either got me bells or got me new furniture this doesn't get me anything so <laughs> i i just don't see the point of it takes off a checklist yeah. If they want to add a checklist in the game that I can start working towards, that'd be fine. But they yes. haven't done that. But it's the catalog. Yeah, and there's the Nook Miles. There's there's probably going to be new Nook Miles to cook every dish, probably. But mm-hmm. I, I don't. I'm done. I'm done with Animal Crossing. <laughs> <laughs> I put over 500 hours into it last year. I'm done. I don't know what they could add that would make me want to go back to it again. I usually, even when I'm not playing them, I usually like boot it up on Christmas or uh, New Year's Eve, you know, just to play around in, in that and get get in the mood. But it's just, I don't even think I'm going to do that this year. And um, as part of that announcement, they also announced that Series 5 of the Amiibo cards are coming out. So that's cool for people who like to collect those. The other thing they announced was a sizable DLC expansion called Happy Home Paradise, which is... Uh, basically an informal sequel to happy home designer that came out on 3ds to mixed reviews or mixed reception and it's just basically about designing homes here it's about designing vacation homes uh that's cool if that's your thing uh, and you enjoyed that that last 3ds game uh the one thing that we do have to mention is interestingly this uh, dlc is going to come free with the uh, new Nintendo Switch Online subscription option. 
some debate about whether that indicates a shift in strategy from Nintendo in terms of other DLCs for the big games. Uh, I don't think so. I, th- I think Animal Crossing is kind of dead and they're just trying to tempt people back in for that uh, for that last hurrah. Also, if you let your subscription lapse, then you also lose access to the DLC. So it's not free. It's not a bonus. Mm. It's part of the subscription. That's a goddamn lie. They're going for like a game game pass kind of situation. Kind of, yeah. Like, PS Plus. I kind of see the direction they're going with this where like the Animal Crossing DLC this year is going to be wrapped in. If this had been around in past years, I imagine the Splatoon 2 DLC would have been in there. The Breath of the Wild DLC would also be part of it. I'm not convinced on that. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, the, I'm not sure if this is an ongoing thing, to be honest. Well, it better be an ongoing thing because we haven't talked about the price yet. Yeah, um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's, that's the other thing Nintendo revealed this, <laughs> this week was the pricing for Nintendo Switch Online plus expansion pack. Oof. Uh, yeah. Was it like three times the amount of the normal? It's a 150% increase in the U.S. at least. I, I It looks like it varies elsewhere. Uh, but let's just get it out of the way up front. Are any three of us actually going to get this? I'm not. I'm out. Yeah, probably not. I am because I'm part of a family plan, uh, plan so I get to Uh-oh. spread it out. Well, lucky you. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the only way I could swallow that price. But Yeah, it's double the price here. It's 150% increase. It's $20 for the basic Nintendo Switch online subscription in US dollars. Now it's $50 with the expansion pack. And the DLC is $25 for Animal Crossing mm-hmm. just by itself. So it's already cheaper just to buy it outright rather than rent it through the subscription plan. <laughs> that is I'm going to try to keep my temper under control about this, but I am just I'm so hacked off because I was really looking forward to playing Sin and Punishment and Ocarina of Time and Super Mario 64 in November, and now I, I, I'm not going to be able to do that because this is, price is just unacceptable, and the numbers do not add up. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what's going on. And, and speaking of the price and the games that are in it, the Sega Genesis games that are in there, the Sega Mega Drive Classics Collection frequently goes on sale for 10 to $20. That's also a better deal than this subscription because it has more games, it costs less, and you get to keep it. <laughs> there goes my temper. <laughs> <laughs> I I am so like I, I I usually just shrug at Nintendo's weirder decisions, but I I am so mad about this price point. <laughs> it makes no sense. Uh, I I guess my their argument would be related to the amount of work they're putting into the Air 64 games to add online stuff, but still it feels feels a little pricey to me. One hope um, that I have is that one of the, the value propositions that they do with this is add future DLC things to this subscription. That's not good enough for me. Like Xbox Live Gold is $60, PS Plus is $60 in US dollars right now. This is $50. Like, if it's going to be like that close, Nintendo needs to start giving away free games, not just DLC as part of a subscription plan. They need to give away games. Bare minimum, they actually have to have a good online service, which they don't. <laughs> mm. I've heard people complaining about that. I, I don't 
play Smash Brothers, but the games I have played online, I, I've, I've been perfectly satisfied with how they run, like Mario Kart 8 and stuff like that. So, I mean, even download speeds, they just they don't compete. Hmm. I barely interact with that stuff on the other platforms, so I guess I just have I don't have a good basis for comparison. But I, I've been I guess I've been happy, especially twenty bucks a year. Like I, I don't even notice the twenty dollar a year <laughs> subscription. So, but I guess when you're charging that close to a price for something that's advertised mm-hmm. primarily as online play, and they don't have mm-hmm. good online yeah. play, if it's going to be that much, it needs to be comparable to the competition, and it is in no way. Mm-hmm comparable to the competition i think this is going to be a disaster for them Mm -hmm. in in terms of buy-in at least you know add in an extra cut of uh, coins when you buy games just just something to to make it feel more valuable that would probably be worth it for me because i do buy a lot of games from the eShop and i buy a lot of new physical games if we got a bonus on gold coins then i would probably go yeah that would probably get my money's worth out of it. Mm-hmm. But the big reason to buy in right now seems to be you get the Animal Crossing DLC. Well, I didn't care to play the Animal Crossing DLC. Don't get me wrong. I think it looks like a great DLC. Mm. It's just I, I'm done with Animal Crossing. I don't want to go back. But if I were still playing, I would be really excited for this. I think this does look like a great addition to the game. Uh, but I, I don't want to play it. Yeah, and, and then coming, <laughs> right back, now. coming back to the original point, like this, this DLC is too late anyway. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. and also people who don't have Animal Crossing, mm-hmm. like th- this bonus, quote unquote, which is not a bonus because it disappears with the subscription. So it's part of the subscription. So it's not a bonus. Don't give me those lies. <laughs> a better deal would be to just include Animal Crossing outright with the subscription. That way, everybody could have it. Then I could kind of understand the argument. But this is no, this is unacceptable. And I'm not happy. Yeah. So yeah. So that's uh, uh, an interesting uh, move by Nintendo, and I, I don't like hate it, but I don't like it either. Um, and of course, I hate it that little bit extra just because of how confusing they've had to make it in their own little Nintendo way. Okay. So that's that. Uh, let's hopefully move on to more positive stuff in the next segment, which is the stuff we've been playing. Uh, one of the things we've been playing this week is the OLED Switch, so it's time for a, a little mini hardware discussion. So, of course, everyone was uh, disappointed that the OLED Switch uh, wasn't the the Switch Pro, the 4K, 4K uh, machine and hardware boost that we uh, that everyone had been expecting because of all the uh, the rumors and the build up. But I, I feel like the general opinion has switched since it's launched uh, and turned into a lot more positive now that people have their hands on it. For me, it's certainly what I expected to get in that it's a better built switch with a better quality screen. Let's let's start with the uh, the difference in the screen, shall we? That That's the big draw. That's the thing it's named after. Definitely a huge improvement for the visuals. Like, colors, colors are a lot more vibrant. It's brighter. It's nicer to look at switching the the game that we're going to talk about later metroid dread between my uh, led hd tv 4k tv to the oled screen is like night and day difference just uh, looks a lot sharper and a lot nicer and that extra you know it's not that much bigger but the losing the uh the bevel size certainly gives you a lot more screen real estate which is really nice 
So yeah, so I'm I'm really happy with it from the screen perspective. Uh, how are you guys finding it? Uh, gorgeous. For me, it's all about contrast. Um, the vibrant colours, of course, pop, especially in Metroid mm-hmm. Dread, but the contrast between the, the dark areas, like the pitch black areas compared to the rest of it, it just looks incredible. I finished Metroid Dread before I my OLED arrived, so I played that entirely on my on my classic. <laughs> so I can't really speak to how that looks, but uh, the blacks, yeah, they do look great. Uh, I'm playing through Diablo three campaign right now. Mm-hmm. The cinematics on that OLED screen, they look so good, and you know it's Diablo, so there's a lot of black <laughs> in that game, and you can really see it. And like one thing I read about how on an OLED screen is the blacks are so pure they actually blend into the black on the frame of the console that it's on, whether it's a Vita or whether it's a Switch. And I totally see that. I, I, I looked at it during the cinematics when the screen just cuts to black, and I'm like, yeah, if I wasn't specifically looking for it, I would not even notice that there's a, a frame between the screen and the hardware, mm-hmm. or uh, the, the image and the hardware, I should say. And just the way the OLED screen works, if, if you don't know, uh, like a classic switch has a backlight. It's got literally a light behind the screen mm-hmm. that brightens it up so you can see the image. An OLED screen actually uh, lights up each pixel on the screen individually. And that's much easier to see. And that was one of my big complaints when the switch launched. Uh, especially since it launched just before the summer started when the sun was out and when I was playing it outside or when I was playing on the bus, if there was direct sunlight, I had a really hard time seeing (laughs) what was on the screen. (laughs) And that's much less of a problem now with that OLED screen where each pixel is individually lit because I'm not relying on that backlight to be working optimally to be able to even see what's going on. So I'm just a fan of this this revision just for how much easier it is to see the screen Mm -hmm. from any angle and from any distance and with any light source. I I just, I love it. I'm a total convert to OLED technology now. And uh, if the inevitable Switch 2 doesn't launch with an OLED screen, I'm going to be pretty disappointed Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I don't want to go back. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's to the point where I'm kind of looking at scoring at my Switch Lite now, which is what I, I used to play on the commute but i work from home all the time now so it's sort of relegated to to bedtimes and pre-sleep plays and yeah the just the difference just makes the light feel kind of pointless now uh, when <laughs> the benefit was it's smaller screen size and smaller form factor yeah such a, a beautiful rich screen once we hit the christmas break and I'm, I'm definitely going to be looking at getting back to breath of the wild and getting that dlc done and that's something i'm going to do mostly handheld just to enjoy that beautiful game on the screen but it has had uh, revisions elsewhere i think it was kotaku who posted the teardown comparison where they said the internals are actually mm. quite a bit more different than everyone had suspected but just the the general console design uh, the whole thing feels a lot more robust more solid the kickstand now is across the whole of the back lower half of the the console so it's more sturdy less likely to pop off with the the slightest knock (laughs) the the vents is my my big thing so my launch switch the vents had cracked you know i presume due to the heat because i've i've treated that thing like a little baby and the new model adopts the switch light style vents which the it's thick and chunky and yeah i don't think that's cracking from 
heat anytime soon. <laughs> Andrew, you like the texture on the back, the new texture? They've got this like patterned texture on the back. It just feels so nice under my fingers. I just, I really like it. Like rub my fingers over it when I'm not doing anything <laughs> in the game. I'm a, a sense freak that way. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> and, and now we're taking the show into places I don't want to go. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, what, are you got anything extra you want to add about the, the overall build? Um, it feels like, I, and I can't tell if the kickstand is like metal because it gets cold. Yeah, I had that. I had that, and I almost didn't want to mention it in case I sounded stupid. So thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of assumed it was, but I agree. Yeah. I, I, now I'm now I'm with you. I don't know if it is or not, but when I first touched it, it's like, oh, that's metal now. That's nice. Yeah. That, that was my first thought. The one thing that I don't like is that you have to stick your fingernail into the speaker grill to pull it out, because I've heard some cases of people like bending the actual grill. Oh, okay. I didn't notice that. Uh, luckily, luckily, I bite my nails, so it's not a problem. But <laughs> I could see that being a problem <laughs> for some people. Also, the yeah, um, I didn't notice that either. The game card thing, getting your fingernail in there. I yeah. can't do it without getting like. Yeah, actually, no, you're right. That that was a lot harder than the the other versions. Yeah, that would be the one thing I'm more critical of is is the game card slot. I do prefer the original game card slot and. The volume up and down button, I it doesn't feel as tactile to me to use. Yeah, I keep hitting the wrong and ones, actually. I, I just reach up there, and I'm just like, where is it? Like, I feel it, but I can't feel where the buttons are at. I just kind of feel that there's something there. And then the power button is, is recessed now, and it's a, like an oval shape. It's a lot more, well, I shouldn't say it's hard. It still turns on and off just fine, but it takes a lot more effort to actually hit it and I, i'd never had a problem with the old one you know hitting it by accident so yeah the entire top part of it I'm a, I'm a little more critical of that revision but it's it's a minor it's a minor problem in the grand scheme of things mm-hmm. yes yeah, so uh, i was happy to report that the hori switch pad uh split pad pro sorry fits perfectly i kind of suspected it would because it was just the uh, width and length that are changed by mere millimeters but yeah they fit perfectly mm. i was just a bit concerned because of the the whole flip grip thing but yeah all, all good there so i can still use those so that's neat the joy con rails feel much sturdier than the original switch mm-hmm. i did read that they uh got revised somehow they're 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 new yeah i um one of the reasons why i got the switch light is because holding the switch the original switch handheld felt wobbly like i was going to bend and break the rails i really didn't <laughs> like that sensation so i uh, mostly played in tv docked mode and got the switch light which is all unibody this feels a lot better though but i wonder if over time if it will get to feeling wobbly again i hope not yeah see that, that was the thing i'd always put the the slight wobble on the launch switch down to wear and tear just it's been i've been using it a lot etc but <laughs> i have no idea what you two are talking about <laughs> the, the, we always have a sorry we always have a uh, my switch has always had a slight wobble on the joy cons that, hmm. that if you didn't hold it properly you, it would feel like you could break it off really easily well and i know at least one of our listeners did have that problem where her rails broke off and like that was 
less than two years after launch. I don't know how long she'd actually had it, but yeah, I've seen that happen. But I, I've never like had a hardware problem with my Switch, except for the SD card slot, which uh, infamously died, and that was a whole adventure for me at the beginning of last year. My Joy-Cons have remained attached. They drifted, but I think that happened to every, that happened to everybody, I think. And my replacements are still working fine. Uh, and my vent never broke like Andy's did. Like, uh, I guess I, I've had a really different experience <laughs> hardware-wise <laughs> compared to most people, but I definitely have still had problems. So we're, we're all very impressed with the, the hardware revision. Um, let's move on to the game that launched alongside it, Metroid Dread, a long time coming. And I, I should probably go into... Uh, some stuff here so i haven't played half as much as i would have liked partly minecraft's fault (laughs) while i was waiting for everything to download on my oled switch i didn't want to start dread so minecraft had downloaded first because the install is tiny i was like oh let's let's check that out and uh, four hours later (laughs) uh i'd I'd invented a whole new load of uh, to-do lists that are definitely way more satisfying than animal crossings I eventually got back to it. I've loved everything I've played. I've had a weird week with exhaustion, and I've had just had to take some time to to rest. And I, I didn't want to play this while I was, you know, tired or irritated or you know, just generally feeling exhausted. So uh, I played a bunch today because I've been feeling a lot better. I'm probably coming up to the halfway point. Um, I've just got the uh, ball bomb. I'm loving it a lot. So my my experience with uh, Metroid is pretty much non-existent. The only other one I've played is Fusion, which I loved. I got told going into this that if I loved Fusion, this is probably a uh, a good follow-up for me. And um, yeah, definitely feeling like it's the case. This is basically a direct sequel to Fusion. Yeah, pretty, it feels that way. Uh, so I'm I'm very happy with it so far. Um, everything from the the pace, the level design boss fights so i've had a heap of fun figuring those out some of those have taken me uh quite a few attempts but i, I was happy to get there in the end um what i do like about these these games or what from what i've played of it is the the sheer volume of rewards that you get like you, it, every new area or every new interaction gives you something else to help you navigate the overall thing that's a, a metroidvania cliche but um yeah, I, d- I don't know. It's just I, p- I play played a lot of Metroidvania games, and this this feels like a top tier uh, entry in this genre with the name that I hate. Search action. Sorry, you don't know that joke. Never no. mind. <laughs> the developer, I think it was actually Castlevania, but uh, one of the developers of Metroid or Castlevania early on in the life of the Castlevania Metroidvania genre uh, insisted that the name of the genre was search action and mm. okay. yeah they're that the o- they're the only person in the world who calls it that so <laughs> it's it's it, uh, I like I like the I prefer the term you coined for it ages ago which was exploration platformer that's a good it's not as flashy as Metroidvania but it's a better description especially when yeah, like with, half of Castlevania uh, isn't Metroid styled <laughs> Uh, as a series. I'll stick with yeah. Adventure Platformer. Before we all received Dredge, I made the prediction that uh, Tori would love it, I would like it, and Andrew would be mildly disappointed from it. But Andrew, I haven't had that sense from you on social media as of yet. I'm not disappointed with it. Uh, there were a few things in it that I was like, oh, 
I'm actually surprised to see that in a Metroid game. There were a few things in this that surprised me, which uh, I was not expecting. <laughs> I was expecting this to be another Metroid game. Metroid has not been surprising in a long time. <laughs> this game has a few surprises. Uh, the thing I would say about those surprises is you have to be keyed into Metroid lore to really get those surprises for the most yeah. part. And past past Metroid games have really not cared at all about Metroid's story or Samus's backstory, to be more precise. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it. I liked it. But I still think of the three of us, I was the least impressed by it. Mm -hmm. But you're more positive than I thought you were going to be. <laughs> Just from the sense that I had in, in the build-up. Um, so, sorry, you're, you're the big Metroid fan. Apparently. <laughs> well, you know, you've, you've, you've played through all the series. You, you knew all about the lore stuff in a, a previous episode so uh where does it sit for you to nobody surprised i adore this game <laughs> exploring felt really natural this time around it was only maybe one or two times where i actually had like a big where the hell do i go moment yeah i, I agree with that i feel like it it kind of points you in the right direction it almost feels like one big sprint rather than a whole heap of uh, exploration I got, I got stuck once and then figured that out pretty quickly but uh <laughs> Yeah, I agree with that. I think yeah. the exploration is pretty cool. It's it's not as linear as Metroid Fusion was, but it's still kind of in that same vein. I've seen a few people saying that they got lost and confused in a few places. I can tell you, if if you're getting lost in this game, you're not shooting every wall. You're not, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, being suspicious that, of that's... every ceiling and block and everything. The game does tell you to do that, but it doesn't that's do it. The first thing it tells yeah. you. But it doesn't kind of keep up that reminder of that. It, it'll be like a whole chunk of not really doing that. And then you get stuck because you've forgotten that that's a, a key technique. That's the only explanation <laughs> I can come up with. Samus Returns did that a lot too. And I was pretty critical about Samus Returns. But Dread is a lot better in Samus Returns. Oh, yeah. Uh, from the... From the same developer. Okay, well, I did have uh, one other thought. So I didn't know what to expect in terms of the uh, Emmys going in i thought it was mm. gonna be a case of that you could be anywhere on the map and just bump into one and it was going to be kind of organic uh but i was surprised to see that they were kind of restricted to zones for no apparent reason <laughs> I, I feel like each encounter really is more of a puzzle like trying to figure out the optimal mm -hmm. way to get through quickly um i'm not disappointed in the outcome like I, I think my nerves appreciate that it's you know walled off and i know wh when to expect it and when it's going to come but just from the name dread I, th I thought it was one of those things where it could just happen to you at any point throw a spanner in the works and you you think you're on your way somewhere or so i wouldn't say i'm disappointed with it just it's just probably not what i expected the one disappointment that i had with it was implies that this whole area like once you unlock the map it says this area is the emmy area but it feels like no matter where you enter the emmy kind of spawns near you in a set location it's mm. not mm -hmm. it's not a case it, of i'll lead it down to the bottom and then go explore up the top it just kind of is always lurking nearby you yeah it's rubber banding yeah and basically mm -hmm. you just have to dodge it until you can kill it then you can properly explore the area it's guarding even though 
there didn't really seem to be much to discover in the area it's guarding. Sometimes there was, but most of the time it was just a place to run through where something super powerful could kill you in one hit if it caught you. Yeah, it, it just didn't feel like it was hunting you because it would just kind of snap to the location that you walk in. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think once you figure that out, it kind of ruins the illusion uh, of being hunted. Like, it, I thought it would have been a really cool idea that it would, like, be sniffing out for you. I mean, there's one particular Emmy that has an ability that does feel more like that, um, without gameplay spoilers. But um, the rest of them kind of just meander around where it knows you entered. And it just doesn't feel like it's, like, on the prowl for you. It just feels like it's another enemy that's a part of the level that's put there with a specific intent. I don't know. It just kind of ruined it for me a little. Still fun. How did we feel about the the essentially one-hit kills? Like, they, they give you the, the button press to try and stun it. Um, and, you know, that that's a really slim margin, especially early on. I don't know if you get anything that increases that. But yeah, there are a couple of times where I've, you know, I've been trying to experiment in the path of going through an ME section and it's just like, it gets you, you're dead. And then it's respawned you back at the start of the ME thing. Um, I kind of wish that window was a bit wider, just a fraction wider, mm. just to give me a fighting chance rather than have to sit watching a, a, a loading screen. I didn't mind it because it's not meant to be something that's, that, that they don't want you to rely on that function so it's not that they aren't giving you a fighting chance it's more that there's a slim chance but ultimately it's in your best interest to not even try by the end of the game i could actually do it pretty reliably i was surprised actually that how often i was pulling it off but even besides that like it auto saves you right outside the emmy zone before you go in the loading mm -hmm. screen is super quick and when you do go back into the emmy zone the emmy spawns in a different place so if you got kind of screwed on where it spawned on your last attempt you're probably better positioned this time to get where you need to go so it didn't bother me at all <laughs> really the emmys actually I, I found to be a pretty unmemorable part of the overall experience uh most of what i'm i'm remembering about the game ha has to do with uh the the midpoint plot twist and less to do with the emmys <laughs> But yeah, the, the, the formula, formulaic approach to them kind of threw me. Like if you compare it to something, say, like uh, Capcom's recent Resident Evil remakes where they they have that ever-present threat and they do tie it into the story. Like you don't see those strings quite as obviously here where there's just a, a big glowing Emmy door. <laughs> um, yeah. Like I say, I'm not disappointed in it. It's just a, a, a weird... It, a thing that shocked me like I, I did i wasn't expecting them to go with that that path a little off topic but i think you're giving resident evil 3 remake too much credit there um and uh <laughs> <laughs> i was thinking more of two but <laughs> yeah uh, i i knew what you meant but uh, yeah. resident evil 3 doesn't doesn't do that which was a, a whole thing that i could get into on that but this is not a playstation <laughs> or an xbox podcast so we won't <laughs> uh, oh yeah it reminds me i need to pick up village i'm gonna get that for halloween <laughs> I think that's pretty much all all I had to say on it. I really like it. I like I say I think we you know just the nature of being on a Switch podcast we tend to play a lot of these types of games and uh, the fact that I feel <laughs> still pretty me. highly of it. 
is uh you know a good thing um and i definitely want to check out more uh 2d metroid just uh, slightly off topic as well uh, i was talking about this game with people at my workplace and they were like ah oh, i wish they'd hurry up and you know put the prime trilogy across or and mm. i was just thinking about the timing and stuff and with this being the critical success it's been my money's on a quarter one uh 2022 surprise <sighs> during a direct for the prime trilogy i'm tired of predicting the prime trilogy is going to come out and then being wrong <laughs> <laughs> as much as i've enjoyed metroid dread and as much as i like the oled as a product nintendo has really burned me with that subscription plan so i i, I just have no hope for anything from them at this point <laughs> so <laughs> i'm not happy with nintendo this week <laughs> So it's that uh, three pretty positive views, uh, and we'll definitely recommend you check it out. Okay, uh, what are we playing in the coming weeks, folks? Uh, Tori, we'll start with you. Um, so I've been just downloading stuff and maybe even buying stuff, whoops, um, to test out on the new OLED, stuff that I, I feel like would look great on it. Um, I downloaded Bioshock and it looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, have you played Bioshock yeah, before? Yeah, I have. I played them all. Okay. Um, so this okay. is like an excuse to replay it. So it looks really mm-hmm. good on just the Switch in general. I was expecting some mm-hmm. fuzziness or blurriness, but it looks pretty crisp on the OLED as well. It's got a lot of that contrast that. The dark area is contrasted with the neon lights and colors. It's mm, it's like the, it's made for the it. The neons is, will make that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, hopefully, talk about that next week. Well, I'm I'm using the OLED as an excuse to go back and play all the uh, the games I bought and have not played <laughs> in handheld <laughs> mode because uh, I've actually kind of neglected the Switch as a handheld platform. I just didn't play it that much unless I was specifically away from the house. But I like that OLED screen so much. I'm actually purposefully playing handheld at home even if i have the option to use the dock and knowing tori is going to be playing bioshock i might just bust out bioshock too (laughs) (laughs) nice yeah for me i'm going to be finishing dread Uh, i beat the castlevania anniversary collection uh, a week ago uh, holding off for halloween week to talk about that um, and I've been slowly chugging away at Castlevania Advance Collection on my Switch Lite. Uh, so if I finish Dread, uh, I'll probably choose something from the backlog. So, yeah, we'll keep you posted. Thanks for listening to this episode of InFocus. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, Spotify, and other podcast services. Also be sure to check out our sister shows, PlayState and Power of X. That's for PlayStation and Xbox, respectively. Be sure to join our Discord server to interact with the lively GamePodular community. You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, and at GamePodular.com for updates, news, and other content. Links for all of these are in our show notes. If you'd like to support our shows... You can buy us a coffee or become a GamePodular Patreon. The details for both of these are on our website. Thanks in advance. This episode was edited by Andrew. You can follow him on Twitter at PlayCritically. 
and also check out his long-form reviews at playcritically.com, our lovely host Andy at Flame Roast Toast, and myself at STWTWO. And you can also check out my Twitch streams at twitch.tv slash TorySTW. And I forgot what my point was. Uh, <laughs> it must not have mattered. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, a little Nemo game just went across my timeline here and it looks amazing and I'm completely distracted <laughs> by it. <laughs>